Let's pray once more. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing to you and life-giving to all who hear. In Jesus' name. So Eric, in this prayer just beforehand, and last week, if you listened, either in person or online, welcome again all of you who are online with us. This message is just as important for you as it is anyone in the building. Use this concept of assignment. You can think of assignment, you can think of appointment, that you have been assigned or appointed for a very specific and meaningful thing. And through this vision series, if I'm going to sum it up, we basically want you to understand that Eric and I don't actually matter very much. That's really important. Y'all matter very much. And I know you're already thinking that. I also know you were thinking, Jed, you got new glasses just for a vision series? How pretentious. (laughs) And you'd be right. But no, they were a gift, okay? And I know what else you're thinking. You're like, Jed, Eric credited you with that pirate analogy. So you get new eyewear and it's not an eye patch for this vision pirate series? And again, you'd be right. I've fallen short, so forgive me. Let's clear up that pirate thing, okay? So a few months ago, Eric gave a vision Sunday, uh, and it was great. He, he preached a phenomenal sermon, and it was half of what he needed to say. And so, which I know, you're like, wow, he went for 85 minutes. How could that be half? They laugh because they know. <laughs> and I spoke to him afterwards. I said, Eric, Think of us like pirates. And he was like, I'm not tracking. I said, track with me. Think of us like pirates. You want to be the pirate captain, as you should be. You're the, at the helm of this ship that is Springs Community Church. And you're casting a vision for would-be pirates. We're all in the harbor, right? We're a little bit poor and need some money. And you're trying to cast this vision for us of this treasure that we can have if we get on the ship with you, right? He's like, Yeah! So he cast his vision, and he shares these values. If we have the values, we can put them up on the screen. Y'all should know these values by now. They are sacred friendship, deep spiritual formation, and empowered witness. And that's awesome. And so we come onto this pirate ship that... uh, What's his pirate name? I I didn't get this far. Captain Eric Beard, I don't know. And he says, I'm going to teach you how to be the best pirate of all. The best pirates have wooden legs, and they say are all the time. And they wear eye patches, and they shoot guns, and they're ruthless. And I'm like, wow, I really agree. I love that. And he says, there's a treasure that if you get on my ship, you'll receive. And we're like, great, where is it? And he says, We have wooden legs and eye patches. (laughs) Okay, cool. The best pirates are ruthless and violent. Great. How do we get to the treasure? There's great treasure if you get on the ship with me. We need a map. Eric, we need a map. So today, we're going to connect our vision, the characteristics of a good pirate, with our treasure. Do you remember what our treasure is? You shared this with us last week, this vision that God gave to us for 2025 that we genuinely believe in. At least we believe that if we're faithful to pursuing it with our, with our best, with our energies, that the Lord will be faithful to respond. A thousand people Sunday morning by 2025. 
30 Kingdom Life communities, 30 disparate huddles that are happening, and uh, at least 100 people going through Missing Jesus, which would be for new believers, even in a year. And this target is phenomenal. But we need a map. We need a strategy. We can't just say that we're going to be really excellent believers. We're going to be good friends with each other and that 1,000 people are going to show up. Raise your hand if that 1,000 number surprised you or at least kind of put you aback a little bit. I know you're like, we can't fit 1,000 people in this room. You'd be right. It'd be multiple services. But we still need 1,000, or we still mean 1,000. And we have to ask this morning, how in the world is 1,000 possible? What does 1,000 mean? Now, as many of you as were struck by 1,000, I think not enough of you were struck by the number 30. Raise your hand if 30 is bigger than 1,000. But raise your hand if you understand how multiplication works. Yeah. Today we're going to talk about 30. We're going to talk about strategy because we've got ourselves a ship and we're going to be going on the waters and we need to know how we're going to get to that X on our map. But I've got some bad news for you. The waters are not calm. Feel that? The waters are not calm. It's one thing if you're going to go on a voyage, right, to make it to America from the Europe's if it's smooth sailing. It's a totally different thing if there's icebergs in the way. You know what I mean? There's big waves that are going to tip your ship. The Bible knows a little bit about shipwreck. We used that analogy last Sunday as well. The Bible knows a little bit about storms. And almost every time you hear water, even the living water of the Spirit, which is not chaos, but is movement and often takes us where we didn't know we were going, there's an analogy at play that is typically this idea of chaos. Say, chaos. Remember, tohu vavohu from before. This chaos that rips at order, that rips at peace, that contends against all that is good. We're going to build a map for Springs Community Church that will sail us safely and effectively to the treasure of the kingdom of God, even through stormy, chaotic waters. Amen? Would you want that with me? I want that for you. The scriptures have these examples of chaos, and none are greater except maybe for the Son of God himself in the tomb than the exile of Israel. So open your Bibles with me to Ezekiel chapter 47, verses 1 through 14. We'll have it up on the screen. I love to look at it in front of me uh, so you can make sure that I didn't do anything wrong when we were putting those in. In the context of Ezekiel, we have to know who Ezekiel is. And so in about 720, or 722 BCE, the Assyrians destroyed the northern kingdom of Israel. Real quick, the kingdom of Israel was split into the north and the south. The Assyrians came, they destroyed the north, ripped away a, a number of the tribes, 10 of the 12 tribes in their entirety. And so only Judah and Benjamin remained in the south kingdom of Israel, which was called Judah. They survived the Assyrian assault, but in about 590 BCE, the Babylonians came, and the Babylonians, led by Nebuchadnezzar, laid siege to Jerusalem while it was ruled by the Israeli king, or the Judean king, rather, Jehoiachin, or Jehoiachin. Now, Jehoiachin was not a good king, and during his reign, a number of people were sent into exile into Babylon. We call it the first wave. 
And then just a few years after that, his, not exactly as straightforward as son, because that's how things went those days, became king. His name was Zedekiah, and he was the last king of Israel. There's a gajillion sermons to say through this story, but what we need to know is that under Zedekiah, Nebuchadnezzar once again attacked and laid siege entirely to Jerusalem, ransacking it completely, laying waste to the temple, and taking all of the significant people away. He killed Zedekiah's sons and family in front of him and then gouged his eyes out, so it was the last thing that he saw. This is the state of Israel. Ezekiel was in line to be a priest in the order of Levi, taking care of the temple. And he was exiled in that first wave. Tracking so far? So Ezekiel is exiled, and while he is on the road to Babylon in chains, he receives his first vision from the Lord, and the Lord appoints him as a prophet. Years pass as he remains in Babylon as an exile. He learns about the destruction in its entirety of Judah. The people of God are now exclusively scattered. The kingdom of God is destroyed. There is no more king. There is no more temple. And he's visited by an angel. The angel leads him through a vision of a temple. And let's pick it up in chapter 47. The man brought me back, the man is the angel, to the entrance of the temple. We'll call it right here. And I saw water coming out from under the threshold of the temple toward the east, for the temple faced east. The water was coming down from under the south side of the temple, south of the altar. He then brought me out through the north gate and led me around the outside to the outer gate facing east. And the water was flowing from the south side. That was too many cardinal directions. Just know a little bit of water is flowing from the temple. As the man went eastward with a measuring line in his hand, I know there's no water here that's about measuring water. Michigan guy, I get that. He measured off a thousand cubits and then led me through the water that was ankle deep. He measured off another thousand cubits and he led me through the water that was waist deep. He measured off another thousand, but now it was a river that I could not cross because the water had risen and was deep enough to swim in, a river that no one could cross. And he asked me, son of man, you see this. Then he led me back to the bank of the river. And when I arrived there, I saw a great number of trees on each side of the river. And he said to me, this water flows toward the eastern region and goes down into the Arabah where it enters the sea. When it empties into the sea, that is the Dead Sea, the water there becomes fresh. Swarms of living creatures will live wherever the river flows. There will be large numbers of fish because this water flows there and makes the salt water fresh. So where the river flows, everything will live. Fishermen will stand along the shore from Engedi to En Eglaim. There will be places for spreading nets. 
The fish will be of many kinds like the fish of the Mediterranean, but the swamps and marshes will not become fresh. They will be left for salt because we need salt for good food. Fruit trees of all kinds will grow on both banks of the river. Their leaves will not wither, nor will their fruit fail. Every month they will bear fruit because the water from the sanctuary, the temple of God, flows to them. And their fruit will serve for food and their leaves for healing. This is what the sovereign Lord says. These are the boundaries by which you are to divide the land for an inheritance among the 12 tribes of Israel with two portions for Joseph. You are to divide it equally among them because I swore with uplifted hand to give it to your forefathers. This land will become your inheritance. The word of the Lord. Pretty awesome. Pretty awesome. We are, for all intents and purposes, uh, people of exile. And this here is the word of the Lord given to those in exile. And if we want to compare exiles, I'd take ours. And a few things stand out to me. The first one is this. The vision, this small river, this small trickling spring, spring that flowed out from the temple right, is one not of returning to the temple, but of going out, going out. And when you're a people in exile, what's the one thing you want most? To return home. And what does God say? I'm flowing out. Number two stands out to me. This is a vision of an ever-growing, life-giving river, and yet, as we read at the very end, it's paired with boundaries. We tacked on verse 13 to 14, and it says, once again, I'll read it. This is what the Sovereign Lord says. These are the boundaries by which you are to divide the land for an inheritance among the 12 tribes of Israel, with two portions for Joseph, divided equally among them, because I swore it with uplifted hand to give it to your forefathers. This land will become your inheritance." Now, we've got to pause here. This is a little obscure, but note, boundaries and a growing and ever-flowing outward river are not contradictory. In fact, they work together. Now, raise your hand if you've ever been too close to a river that boundaries failed. No good. Raise your hand if you've ever had a map that had way too many paths what do we call it? A maze. Boundaries allow for growth. Boundaries allow for purpose. In fact, if we're going to go back to that language of assignment, how can you have an assignment without boundaries? It's like trying to play a game with no rules, right? And so God says, I'm going to make you into a people, flowing water that's life-giving to all the nations that turns salt water, the Dead Sea, into fresh water and a life-giving oasis. And I'm going to do it by appointing you a specific place to take care of that you can bear responsibility over. Isn't that kind of neat? Isn't that kind of neat? And you're like, well, yeah, of course, that has to do with the tribes of Israel, though. And in fact, we can pull that map up. When God established Israel, brought them out of Egypt into the Exodus, he had them build a tabernacle in the middle. The Levites 
sons of Aaron lived around that, and then the children of the 12 tribes were ordered in exactly that way around the tabernacle. And it was very intentional, and they'd walk in that configuration, kind of like a military. And then as well, when they entered into the land of Israel, they were sent to their specific regions. In fact, not only were the tribes given regions of Israel that would belong to them, but each individual family was given a plot of land to belong to them that would be their own for all generations. And even if they sold it off every year of Jubilee, it'd be theirs again. Boundaries. God said, I'm giving you a place. I have a land for you. I have a responsibility for you. I have an assignment for you. And through faithfulness to this land, to this assignment, this stream will provide life to the world. Third and largely most important thing, the river grows. The river grows. If you've seen a river that grows, you've seen a miracle. You cannot start a river without other rivers entering into it or swells from underneath that gets bigger from its source point, right? I lived in California for a long time, and it was actually quite a big issue. Any Californians here? There was a, a pseudo uh, cold war, if you will, during the drought seasons going on between the Central Valley and Southern California. California has a bunch of rivers, the Colorado, ironically, being one of the important ones, Sacramento, San Joaquin, a few others. And the farmers up in the Central Valley need water for food, because <laughs> we want food, and they provide food for all the people in the South. But the people in the South want water for drinking, because they need water to drink. And so the people in the north are stealing too much water for the food, so the people in the south don't have enough water, but if the people in the north don't steal the water, then they don't have any food. And what does Mexico get? Nothing. It's an issue. The river doesn't grow. If you start with the river and you start taking water from it, it shrinks. This river gets larger as it goes out. Sit with that for a minute. I think the problem that Israel was, that God was trying to communicate through this picture of this river, through this picture that, of a river that goes out to the nations, that blesses the dead parts of the world, God was indicating a problem that they had had before. You know, exile was not Israel's problem. You know that? Exile was not Israel's problem. The problem for Israel was this insular mentality that said, we belong to us and our blessing is for us. The problem was a king who said, authority resides in me. Kings instead of kingdom of priests. Blessing for us instead of blessing for the nations. It was a trickle-down blessing mentality that they had. Like a a big fountain. I think this is how we would draw the picture of the church in the West. If you go to the temple, right, where that God describes there's just a little tiny stream. If we drew the picture, we would reverse it. We would want a temple with a huge fountain that was sky 
sky high and had tons of water and we'd want to say, if you're thirsty, come and drink some, right? And maybe our runoff will go down out a little ways, but we've got the good stuff. The opposite. We want a trickle-down blessing. We want the most, we want the biggest, we want all the water, and if you want to come and get stuff, you can. And God says, I'm going to start off with just a little tiny thing and watch what happens. I also think we'd probably charge $3 a bottle for that water, but that's a different issue with the church. The problem for Israel is not exile. The problem for Paul, going back to last week, was not the shipwreck, right? The problem for the church in America and in the West is not COVID or loss of political influence or really anything else. In fact, defining the church according to its problems is wrong from the get-go. You hear that? If we define the church and our role in it according to the problems that we are being inflicted by, we are already off track. When Ezekiel is in exile, as a slave amongst slaves to one of the most cruel governments in history, God gives him and therefore the people of Israel a vision of itself that is a vision of growth, of blessing, and of inheritance. God says, you're not captured. I sent you there. That's a big difference. God says, you're not captured. I am sending you. The death of the Dead Sea won't overcome you. You'll overcome it. You'll turn salt water fresh. You're not shrinking and whittling away like a small little river would do when it's consumed by a desert heat like Israel was. You're growing, and I'm going to make you grow. God puts them on a ship, if you will, and he gives them a treasure called the people of the world, the nations, and he says, this is where we're going together. Tracking? So I know what you're asking. I know what you're all thinking in this exact moment. You're thinking, so what exactly are KLCs? <laughs> right? <laughs> the Kingdom Life community. Well, brothers and sisters, we are on a ship, and we are in stormy waters, and we are going to turn into a river or a crew that grows, that does not shrink away. And I believe that if we take seriously this call that we now structurally as an organization are holding as essential, that we, would, that we long for each and every one of you to be a part of, we will become a community that is going, that is blessing, and that is growing. Amen? What are Kingdom Life communities? Well, I want to talk about it. I showed you that picture of Israel and the tribes. In as simple way as possible, here are the Kingdom Life communities. Pretty neat, right? Yeah! You can clap for that. Yeah. Not bad. I made it myself. <laughs> Springs Community Church exists here in building form. And that's awesome. And we are going to prioritize Sunday morning services where as many of us as can gather around the table, partake of the body and the blood of Christ, worship in spirit and in truth, and receive the word in order to be transformed by it. And yet, 
if the kingdom of Israel was only a tabernacle, what kind of kingdom would that be? But God's plan for Israel was not limited to a tabernacle where their festivals and their gatherings and their worship took place, but he just as intentionally organized them according to tribes that he sent out and gave specific plots of land to take care of. And a kingdom life community is us saying, hey, we want to gather together with other believers in regions that are similar to ours and be responsible for the kingdom of God in that place. To simplify it even more, kingdom of life community is just this. It's, hey, we want the kingdom to come where we live, and we're going to help each other do it well. I'm going to encourage my brothers and sisters of the tribe Faircloth to take care of our neighbors, to love our neighbors. We're going to gather regularly, and we're not just going to do a Bible study where we, again, that kind of insular mentality, well, if I consume enough, maybe there will be some overflow. Well, we're going to do that, and we're going to have overflow. But we're also going to say, hey, you were called to take that weed out of the ground. Did you do it? Hey, your neighbor has this need. How can we help? Hey, you have this need. How can we help? And so, in the most practical terms, a kingdom life community is a hyper-local missions base that each and every single one of you is a part of. They're kind of like small groups, but they're far more missional. They meet every other week because the objective is not for all of your spiritual growth and development to happen in the midst of the gathering, but for the gathering to foster growth in you in such a way that you can go out into the world and share that blessing. The temptation is for us to have small groups, right? To have Bible studies, to have prayer meetings that are phenomenal and that get to a spot where we like them and then they stay that way. And if we can have a river that's five feet wide and ankle deep, great. But if we can have a river that's immeasurably wide and impossible to swim in, wouldn't we want that? Wouldn't we want that? I want to get into more details about Kingdom Life communities, uh, and we actually don't have enough time, and that's okay, because the Kingdom Life community uh, has a lot of leaders. What I want to invite you to right now, and then I'll answer a few questions preemptively, is the awareness that um, we already have a lot of leaders that you can talk to about what this is, and that I believe so sincerely in this that I would genuinely have coffee or lunch or breakfast with every single one of you to keep talking about it and to make this vision a full reality. Because you don't quite see yet, is my guess, what this picture has to do with a growing stream. We've got a picture up here, in just a sec, don't go there quite yet, Kate, of a map that's going to be planted, painted, planted would be cool, <laughs> on our wall out there. And actually, now you can pull that up. Give Lois Shumway a round of applause for that work. Hey, pretty cool. Uh, this is basically the final version. There might be some small tweaks, but pretty quickly we're going to actually paint that on that wall out there. So the first thing that you see when you, open in the uh, when you open the doors to our sanctuary is this map of Colorado Springs 
Springs Community Church Central there, and you'll see a couple small little flags where Kingdom Life communities gather. On this sketch, there's four of them. There are currently seven Kingdom Life communities in existence. And I want you to be able to say, oh, this group lives near me. They gather near where I live. Let's take responsibility for our blocks together. Let's meet together and ask sincerely of one another, what does it mean to follow Christ? What does it mean to be sacred friends with each other? What does it mean to be empowered as witnesses of the Lord with one another? What does it mean to have deep spiritual transformation with one another? And you're still like, well, what does this have to do with a growing river? Well, imagine this. We started the Faircloth Manor KLC, myself and Nora Faircloth and a number of others, not quite a year and a half ago. And since then, we identified leaders, which is a huge part of this process, who would become the facilitators of the next Kingdom Life community, the daughter Kingdom Life, kind of like a church plant of ours. And that was the Shumways and a number of others who went with them. Now, the Shumways has grown, and ours has grown back up to about 20. Once we hit that 30 mark, we'll send off again, which I expect to happen this summer. And we'll have three in the span of not quite two years. Let's imagine each Kingdom Life community was able to multiply every two years, right? Let's say you've got 10, 12 people who gather with you, and you give witness to the goodness of God to your neighbors, and people who are lost are found. People who had no uh, Christian fellowship are now brought into the communion of Christ. People who didn't have a place where they could confess sins now have the freedom to and not only confess, but be healed. People who have needs that they didn't know others cared about now can talk about their needs freely and have them addressed. You grow and you split. Let's imagine that you've got two years as a Kingdom Life community to grow, to identify leaders, and to send out. And you multiply. If we did that, not even with our seven, let's just say six of them do it by the end of this year. By the end of 2021, this is what Springs or Colorado Springs would look like. We got to wait till the end of 2021, of course. You got that, Kate, for us? Not that one. Oh. Yeah, look at that. So we went from six to nine. We do the same thing. Half of them grow, or once every two years, 2022 looks like this. Now, how is that growth happening? Is that growth happening because Eric's sermons are so phenomenal and eloquent that everybody wants to come on a Sunday morning? Yeah, they will be, for sure. No, that's not how the growth's happening. Is it happening because the music that I get to lead is just so phenomenal? We record a bunch of records and write new songs, and people from around the world want to... Sure, who cares? And that's not how this growth happens. This growth, hap gr growth happens by a small gathering of people, not unlike the disciples of Jesus, saying, hey, we're responsible for a little space, for a few people, and for one another. And we're going to minister faithfully with one another. And by the end of 2022, it looks like this. What does it look like by the end of 2023? Again, not a fast pace. Just multiply every other year. Next one, Kate. All of a sudden, that's a lot of movement. 
in what seems kind of like an impossibility, a thousand people by 2025, 30 Kingdom Life communities, which didn't mean much to you. If we multiplied every other year, identifying leaders, being faithful to our neighborhoods, caring for one another's needs and preaching the gospel, by the end of 2025, with underestimations at each way. Kurt, I know I did my math underestimating. You can double check. It's lower than even what it could be. By the end of 2025, Springs Community Church in Colorado Springs could look like this. One more. Can you imagine? Because each one of those little flags is not just a flag. Each one of those flags is 10 to 30 people living a life full of sacred friendship, of deep spiritual transformation, of empowered witness. Each one of those is a foot wider or a, a 50 feet wider and another foot deep of this river of God flowing out into the nations to make dead places alive again. I want to see this happen. And you're like, how does it happen? It happens by drinking deeply of the Spirit with one another. This is our map. This is our growth map. The treasure is not an X somewhere else. The treasure is your neighbor across the street. And if you're willing to gather with a group of people who are kingdom-minded, who say together, hey, we want to do whatever it takes to bring the kingdom of God to our neighborhood, we're not going to worry about three miles down. I'm just going to start with my neighbor and start with you. This is the result. If Eric and I and Natalie and the other staff here at Springs Community Church are able to give just a tiny little trickle of water outside of the doors of Springs Community Church and y'all take it responsibly with the assignment that God has given you as a part of Kingdom Life Communities, that's how big the river is going to get. There's a lot of concerns. <clears throat> We're doing too much, right? There's too many things going on. Uh, in fact, I'm not going to worry about the concerns right now. What I am going to say is we've got a phone number that we're going to put up on the screen. Before you text KLC to 719-350-4090 to connect, I want you to put your head down. And I want you to just imagine and ask for yourself. When I moved here from Michigan and I got to oversee Kingdom Life communities, a lot of which has been happening behind the scenes, although a lot of you here are a part of it as well, I basically said, what kind of Christian community do I want to be a part of? I want to be a part of a Christian community that loves one another, that is an example to the world of God's love to one another, that's primary fellowship is built around seeking the word and seeking the Lord and seeking his will and not around sports or games or other things, but around the Lord himself. I wanted to be a part of a kingdom life community. And so I want you to pray and I want you to ask, what kind of fellowship do I want to be a part of? Do I want to be a part of a fellowship of believers 
that takes seriously the assignment that each one of us has and the responsibility to the land that God's given us. And then I want you to ask as well, what would it look like if the kingdom of God came in my neighborhood? What would it look like if revival happened in the 10 houses around mine? And we're going to spend the next four and a half years, four years, praying towards that goal. Some Kingdom Life communities meet tonight, some meet this week. If you want to connect even as quickly as tonight or this Tuesday or Wednesday, text KLC to 719-350-4090 and we'll get in touch with you as quickly as we can sometime within the week. There's a lot of questions. There's concern. We've got childcare figured out, or at least in the plans, right? It's a small time commitment. You don't have to prepare a thing. I promise you, your concerns will be outweighed by the benefits. But you'd have to trust me on that. Or text your question to that number as well. I want the band to come up here as you continue to mull over what your concerns are, what's stopping you from jumping into this river. Or if you're already there, just text that number. And let's do this together. Here's our map. Here's our vision. This is the boat that we're going to ride, and no storm, no amount of chaos will be able to stop the little stream of the kingdom of God planted. In Jesus' name, let's pray together. Father, you're so, so good. You love your mercy endure forever. Though we are like grass, fading away, Lord, you've given us power beyond our understanding by your word and your spirit in us to make everlasting impact. Through simple love, through simple faithfulness. So Lord, we pray that your river would come, that your river would flow, and that your river would grow in this city. We pray that those who call themselves Christians but don't actually know you would encounter one of us, one of these individuals today, and see a true believer. And in seeing a true believer, Lord, would they be compelled by your love and your goodness and would they meet you. And Lord, we pray even more so, especially for those who are totally lost, who are consumed by alcoholism, by drug abuse, by broken relationships, by dead-end jobs. Lord, we pray that you would send us to them. And God, in us, they would receive your love and your mercy and your forgiveness and be caught up Yesterday you were good, and today you're good, and tomorrow you're good. And so, Lord, we bless you. In Jesus' name.